Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. Julie, you are live. I uh, think I clicked yes. all the right buttons and pulled all the right lever- levers, and I fed all the squirrels this morning, so everything seems to be functional. Yeah. I, the, ham- the hamsters seem happy, so all the technology should be working <laughs> correctly. You're in the wheel. Uh, okay. So, oh, that's right. So, a reminder, all of you, the event here in Austin, Georgetown to be precise, is taking place this week. Dear God, how did that happen? So um, it's going to be incredible if um, the event is completely sold out and then some. Fortunately, we had some sponsors come at the last minute and you know allowed us to make it a little bit bigger. But it's completely and totally sold out, so no seats available. We will be doing more events throughout the um, you know rest of the year. These are Julie and I do small events because of the nature of the events themselves. We are going to focus on doing more of these high-level, intense, focused, drilled-down learning experiences, we call them masterminds. We're going to try to do another two, maybe three this year, and then next year we're going to try to do probably like, I don't know, as few as we can <laughs> because they're such a hassle. But at the same time, we, you know, with a small group, say less than 100 people, it's fun. You can have – it's a good experience when you have up to 1,000 people too, but the nature of the material and how you're presenting is completely different. I think you guys can understand. Um, and Julie and I are more of the unplugged, you know, um, Julie, what's it called when a band isn't uh, like in a recording studio? They're like, you know, you're, they're, they're uh, in a small setting on the oriental rugs and they're playing acoustical guitar. What's that called? You know what I'm uh, talking about? Riff session, a unplugged, you know. Oh, uh, well, um, you guys get, you you get, you guys get the idea. Acoustic, yeah. basically. Julie? Yes, Julie, you're yes, acoustic. That's right. Julie and I are more of acoustical uh, guitar players yes. uh, than studio. Uh, yeah, there you go. That's why I, I don't know how I just nerded out on that. Sorry about that, listeners. I'll try to keep myself on the rails the rest of the <laughs> oh, show. Oh, you're at least one <laughs> coffee ahead of me on that one. I don't know. I need more coffee. Yeah, okay. I know, Julie. I was surprised. I asked you a music thing. That was a complete laydown for you, and you let it get by you. What the <laughs> heck, woman? Yeah. All right. right so now. here's the top. I know. I'm with you. So um, for all of you coming into town. For this event, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to seeing all of you. It's kind of amazing um, to meet some of you. Some of you we've known only through the ones and zeros that we call the Internet, right? We've only known you through our, uh, you know, through maybe phone calls, but normally just through emails and normally just through chats or maybe Facebook groups and things like that. And to always, I have to say, though, I very rarely have an experience with somebody in person where it's that different than the way they are um, you know, when you're talking to them online, <laughs> people are pretty much the same anyway, anymore. You know, people have a very consistent voice. So that's always good. In any event, we're going to have a lot of fun. Make sure, for those of you who are um, flying in, driving in, uh, make sure on that Saturday you get there bright and early and you're ready to take a lot of notes. It's going to be very, very intense and fast-paced, just a lot like hopefully um, this podcast and all of our other podcasts are. By the way, I did get an email this morning. How do I go and listen to your past podcasts? They're all on iTunes or on Stitcher 
or your favorite podcast listening software program. And you can also just go over to timandjulieharris.com, and there's a whole section where I think most, if not all, the podcasts live. We've been converting the podcast to YouTube videos, but we hardly promote it. So um, the easiest way, most people are consuming podcast information directly from iTunes, which is how I listen to podcasts anymore. It seems like that's all I listen to, honestly. It's the best way to get information. So, Julie, we are going to be talking today about the simple question of why aren't you rich yet? Seven must-know wealth-creating secrets. Before we get to point number one, do you have anybody you'd like to thank, acknowledge, or what have you? Yes, I I thought there was kind of an interesting little exchange going on on the private Facebook page, which is for our coaching members only. Suzanne Barsadia-Brown Uh, writes, when doing what you don't want to do and when you don't want to do it at the highest level makes other agents a little uncomfortable. She wrote, Mm. I have a listing that's been sitting 21 days with just six showings. Already had a price conversation, but the seller is not currently in a huge rush and wants to, quote, make another mortgage payment. So to prove that I'm doing all I can on my end, I then texted the 49 agents on the reverse prospecting list. And apparently (laughs) she... uh, made some other agent awfully sensitive about the fact that she was being very proactive. Here's what she texted. This is very simple. Hi, this is Suzanne Brown, the Berkshire Group. My listing at that address on Rockridge matches all of your clients' search criteria. So she was using a proactive method of seeing what his client had searched for and reaching out. Are you interested in setting an appointment to show or preview? We'd love your feedback. And this obnoxious agent says, this is so unnecessary. And she said, just trying to do all I can for my clients. And he, he barks back, you're a hero, you know, very sarcastically. And so the comment from all of our, you know, top producing, have it together, proactive, do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it types of agents, um, you know, of course, kudos to her. Good job for working hard for your clients. And uh, Jeffrey Kozolowski points out, if you're ever competing against that agent for a listing, now you've got some firepower against him from him being obnoxious in her uh, chat there. So, yes, sometimes you being proactive is going to perhaps rub other agents the wrong way. Too bad for them. And, uh, you know, it just means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. So just wanted to highlight that because she was being proactive and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you're supposed to do. It's, It's funny, Tim, a lot of agents going through this, you know, at least in some areas, transitioning market where things are taking a little bit longer to sell, they're asking, well, what is it that I should be doing to actually sell the house? In other words, the market was covering up for the fact that if we're being honest, a lot of agents weren't doing that much to sell the house. And I remind them to pull out something from the pre-listing package called your listing plan of action, which is indeed what you promised the seller you would be doing. So I think it's all related to that type of a post. And yeah, many of you are going to have to do more than you used to do. Good for her for doing it. So uh, back to our uh, talking about wealth creation. And I wanted to just segue this with a couple of facts when you're ready. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I I mean, I'll tell you where my mind went. When, When Julie and I sold real estate, there were plenty of realtors that didn't like us. And the reason, the reason they didn't like us is because we would we were very aggressive, and that is the word. We were very aggressive about going after expireds and for sale by owners, and we were very aggressive about getting our listings sold. And the industry doesn't necessarily like that. The industry in most of your markets are the proverbial ditch diggers, ditch diggers who basically have this mindset that if someone else shows up and digs faster, they're all going to have to dig faster as well. And that's how the industry exists. To this day, you'll have people that when you pick up an expired listing, they'll treat you like somehow you stole it. 
You know, they'll treat you somehow like, and I know some of this is what's rattling around in your brains that keeps you from going after the real business, keeps you from actually learning how to compete. Listeners, I beg you to set aside all of that, you know, desire to please, be liked, be accepted, and realize the fact that all the agents that act like that will fail. They're not going to be in the business, not in a meaningful way. You will literally just blow past them, bypass them to the point where you don't even remember the little slight that they tossed your way. Julian had all that crap thrown at us when we sold real estate. Some of it hurt our feelings for about a second, you know, but, you know, the reality of it is, is the more successful you become, especially in real estate. So, and where's all that come from? What's the essence of that? It's because they have this scarcity mindset where they believe there's only so much to go around and the more money you make means the less money they're going to make right it's that simple and when you're successful at doing something that they weren't willing to do you make them insecure and you're going to experience that listeners in all aspects of your life if you show up in the parking lot with a nice new car you might have some people say hey good job but you know as well as i do most of them realtors are going to be jealous and they're going to they're going to try to you know talk some crap about you because oh he's he or she is showing off they're this the other thing same thing happens if you get your body in shape you're going to have people that reject you oh what's wrong you know being a beluga whale is not good enough for you anymore <laughs> what's wrong you can't eat a whole bag full of Doritos and five beers anymore every night you're not you're too good for us you're going to experience all anytime you try to become better anytime you try to improve yourself. The first thing that's going to happen, and this is the reason you need to expect it because it will happen, I guarantee you, the first thing that's going to happen is your little tribe, and maybe it's your professional work tribe, a lot of them, most of them, 95% of them are going to resent you for trying to improve in any aspect of your life. Do not look for support from them. Because what happens is if you need support from them, if you've emotionally become dependent on your work family, despite the fact that I just told you most of them don't want you to change, they sure as hell don't want you to earn better than them, look better than them, have a better life than them. They want you to be just like them. That's how everybody is. So please listen to what I'm telling you. When you decide to become the greatest version of you, which is probably uh, you know, significantly different than the person you are now and massively different than probably most of the people in your immediate life, you have to expect some resistance. Do not allow that to be your excuse to, to essentially not improve yourself, to not get the most of this life. Guys, you're only, you only live once and you're dead a real long time. You might as well experience everything in life that life has to offer. Why the hell not? Because you're worried about losing some friends at the office? Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But subconsciously, that's what we do. We hold ourselves back. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this for the third time because it really does matter. When you lose weight, get in good shape, start to be, you know, do wealth, create wealth-creating habits that result in you being rich – when you become successful, when you're improving your lifestyle, when you're spoiling your family, when you're doing all the things that you know you can do, I promise you virtually everybody in your life is going to have an issue with it. And you are going to, as a result, for those, you know, most of them will not want to change themselves. They will reject you. You have to expect that and you have to be understanding and okay with that because along the way of your progressive realization of your worthwhile goal or objective, you're going to make new friends, better friends. That's what happens. So maybe ditch the friend, ditch your fat friends, ditch the friends that basically have horrible eating habits, that don't exercise, that sort of like to reinforce each other's bad behavior. When you start to change your behavior, they're going to reject you. 
they're not going to want you to be part of their little clique anymore because you're, the, you're essentially making them feel insecure about themselves. I know all of you guys intuitively, intellectually understand what I'm saying, but what you need to do is understand this emotionally because that way some of you are more sensitive. When you do have those little pangs of rejection, you're not surprised by them because you're remembering that your big mouth coach, Tim, warned you that this was going to happen. <laughs> okay? And it will continue to happen too, but there is a point. I'll tell you guys, this is the truth. There is a point where you care a hell of a lot less, like uh, not at all. And there's also a point where you start finding yourselves around other people that won't at all tear you down for wanting to improve yourself, who are sincerely interested in basically helping you to reinforce you because they themselves have transcended their own you know, back buckets of crab or crab bucket. If you guys have never heard that before, it's the and this is true. Julie and I actually saw this. We we saw this actual this very thing happen actually after we heard it. But if you put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and one crab tries to escape, the other crabs will pull the bucket back in, um, you know, into the bucket. They won't want him to escape or her to escape. That's what happens when you're trying to improve yourself. So expect it to happen. Expect the resistance from agents in a transitioning market to be vicious because it will be because they're going to be scared. Because they're going to start to figure out that they don't know and they aren't prepared and their egos aren't going to allow them to change. And when they see you becoming successful, they're going to hate you, okay, for the most part. Remember I told you that. Now, I'm overstating all of it so you guys can be overprepared, but please be anticipatory of that. I don't care how nice and amiable and friendly you are. You're going to get resistance and resentment from people as you become more successful. It's the nature of humans, especially the nature of real estate people. All right? So there you go. Julie, point number one. Yes, well, they're just in a good club now. That's all. We've been there, done that. Yeah. My favorite was when somebody yes, put uh, mustaches on our picture, our real estate picture signs. That was fun. Anyway, yeah, I, all kinds of, yes. So, yes. <laughs> I wanted to ramp up our talk about wealth with just a couple of quick uh, statistics. So this won't take long, but this will make everybody think. In 1900, it required a net worth of 39,000, net worth of 39,000 to be classified as America's top 1%. The median factor wor factory worker earned $500 per year and at the end of the Gilded Age, it would have been fair to claim or to suggest the United States resembled an aristocracy because over half of America's richest 1% received at least 20000 keeping in mind we're talking about a long time ago, in inheritance. Statistically speaking, if you were at the top crest of America's wealth distribution back then, it was more likely than not that your wealth was tied to receiving something from your parents. Okay, so this is part of the perception that wealthy people, you know, they all inherited it. They, they were just born lucky. However, that was then. Now it's very different. According to uh, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the top 1% in America right now requires a net worth of $6.8 million. Only 14% of wealth transfers in the United States involves a transfer of a million dollars or more. So of all the wealth transfers, we're not talking about transferring at all. It's just a million or more. This still requires a lot of work to reach the 1% status, but gives a glimpse of the role that a meaningful inheritance plays in making somebody a member of that top 1%. In fact, only 2.2% of the top 1% reaches that status through inheritance of 6.8 million or more, which automatically puts them there. So, um, and it goes on to give a lot more statistics, but basically what it means is that only one in 10 of people with a net worth of 6.8 million or more received any of their funds through inheritance. So we can put that myth to bed 
that people are wealthy in this country because they all inherited it. That's not actually true. So we're going to go on to our uh, wealth creation points, pitfalls of wealth creation. Well, number one, lack of understanding that your business exists to create profit. Profit is your product, not customer service, not matchmaking for buyers and sellers and all the other things that you guys put on your card, home counselor and all that kind of stuff. Point number two, not knowing your numbers cold. If you don't know your financial picture, you won't ever be able to improve it. What numbers should you know? Now, this is all in the real estate treasure map. It's in Harris Rules. It's part of our premier coaching. But numbers you must know, and I don't mean guessing at, I don't mean hiding out from them and getting kind of close, really know these numbers. Your personal financial requirements monthly just to survive. That's to keep the lights on, put gas in your car. You need to know your personal financial requirements to thrive. That's after you do the goal setting in the treasure map. And then that leads you to your magic number, total number of active listings it takes to create enough closings to service your goals. Okay, now that's basic financial stuff that we teach all the time and again it's in the treasure map. In addition to that, you should have a number in your mind, what is the debt that you must pay off? What is the savings you must create? And what kind of tax liabilities are you potentially working through or want to keep ahead of? Okay, so those are the numbers that give you the basis by which you can build something from. If you don't know where you're at now, how can you have any kind of accurate goals? If you don't know how many active listings it takes to fuel your business, then you're always going to think, that, I mean, usually, Tim, people think it takes a lot more, like a ton more than it actually takes. In order to move the needle on your lifestyle, and I get into this a lot on the uh, newest version of Harris Rules, the book, and I think we mentioned it a bit in the treasure map too, most people think that in order to really have a significant change in their lifestyle, it's going to require people throw out at events their answer at least a million dollars more or $10 million. It's going to take, you know, now I'm doing 36 deals. I'm going to have to do at least 200, and I don't know if I can do it. Those answers are based on not knowing your numbers because you're actually wrong about all of that. In most cases, it takes about three times uh, what your monthly overhead is, you know, just to keep the lights on, to really have a significant lifestyle change. So if it costs you five grand a month just to survive, 15000 a month will make a huge difference. It's not 150000 a month. It's fifteen. Now, here's the rub. It's doing it month in and month out, which draws you over to having to have listings at all times to generate the business to get that consistency. So that's a whole big numbers conversation. I'm going to leave it there because the rest of it is in the treasure map and in the Harris Rules book. And any premier coaching clients, you know we get into this as well. All right, point number three, pitfalls. Not paying yourself first. If you only save when there's something left, then you're not paying yourself first. Minimum standard is 10% to your own savings, 20% to taxes. Some of you it needs to be 25% to taxes. But that 30 to 35% off the top, that should not be in your cash flow. Savings and tax money is not for you to spend. See, I'm reversing all of this on you. Most of you pay for your cash flow first, and then maybe there's something left to pay your taxes with, and if you're really lucky, you'll save something. That's completely backwards. So lack of wealth creation stems from not paying yourself first. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? I'm kind of blowing through these points a little bit fast. Well, so savings. You should have savings. You should have savings, some uh, 90 days worth of personal cash reserves 
and you should do that first. You should do that before you pay off credit cards. And I'll tell you why. Most people cannot function if they don't have some resemblance of financial security. Um, literally, they cannot, they're under so much internal pressure and stress that they cannot think straight. You're probably one of those people don't think you are, what, you know, just assume you're like the averages and you'll do better in life. Have 90 days worth of personal savings. Have that cash reserve, literally cash. We've, we often coach clients to have the money in their physical possession, not in a bank, but actually have it someplace like a safe. It's like, you know, a mattress, wherever. Literally have 90 days of cash reserves. That way you won't feel under such huge amount of stress that you'll make bad business decisions. That's where, the, you know, most of us can't handle the stress of not knowing where you know how you're going to pay your bills next month. So start there, Julie. Yes. So related to knowing your numbers is point number four, pitfall, blowing too much on, you guessed it, we've said it here before, blowing too much on buying leads, trying new shiny things, and speculating on your lead generation. Well, I'll just try this. When you hear yourself say that, you, could, you should just step away from the credit card, okay? You're not trying something newfangled to generate leads. You should be doing something absolutely proven, duplicatable, that will work, period. But a lot of wealth is blown on speculating on you know, things like buying buyer leads. Number, point number five, getting behind slash staying behind with your taxes. That is a quick way to erode wealth. Penalties and interests uh, suck is what I wrote. Penalties and interest suck. And the IRS does not negotiate nicely. Some of you guys think that you can just hide out and then you can negotiate something. I think their, what is their interest is almost 30%, and I don't even know how they calculate the penalties. But it won't well, get better if not dealing with it. Yeah. It's worth repeating what – did you guys hear what you said? Some of you think that you're going to have somebody negotiate your tax debt away. You're not. They're not going to negotiate with you. They know you can pay it. They know that if you say, I'm not going to pay it, they're still going to get it from you. <laughs> Look, when you owe money to the IRS, just freaking as fast as you can work out a payment plan. Don't hire one of these attorneys that swears to you that they can negotiate it because then you're going to end up paying an attorney and still paying the IRS. Most of the time, you can do this yourself. So if you're finding yourself, and a lot of people, after the, here's what's going to happen, guys. Remember your coach told you this. A lot of you guys are making a lot of money. Some of you have not been keeping up on your tax payments. The economy is going to slow down. You're going to have the inability to basically keep the, pay the back taxes and the current taxes, and then you're going to have a problem. I've just given you a window into what your biggest stress is going to be, many of you, in 2020 and 2021. Seen it before. Coached people through it before. I just told you the bottom line and how to solve the problem ahead of time. Don't wait for it to happen. The I, you do not want to owe the IRS money. They are not, they, you know, Julie just said it right. I think their interest rate is like close to 30% that they uh, charge you on unpaid taxes. If anything, be more conservative when you're filing and maybe even consider not taking all the deductions that some of you guys are taking that are questionable that I read about online. Agents bragging about how they, you know, they're riding off boats and things like that and because they put a sticker for their team on the side of the boat and, and they think that's legal. What a swear day, people. Next point, Joy. Exactly. All right. So then we have not having health insurance. This is another huge pitfall and will suck wealth away faster than just about anything except the IRS. So not having health insurance or not having adequate health insurance. 
How many of you guys had your butts kicked or know somebody who did? Some of you have had real estate clients that have sold their house because they got into so much debt over this. Um, health insurance or lack of health insurance, the problems and paying off that debt. Okay, We have a friend that didn't have adequate health insurance. She fell down some steps and got a concussion, was in the hospital for almost a month. Her hospital bill was over $300,000. Okay. And she had some insurance, but it wasn't enough, obviously, okay? So not having it or not having anything adequate, definitely a problem. And in our updated uh, Harris Rules book, this is one of the phases of wealth creation, and we always recommend that you have these basic things handled before you do things like buying rental property or doing flips and some of the other stuff that some of you lead with before you've put your own financial house in order. So you have to be careful about this. Number seven, thinking that you will get rich one day from your commissions versus understanding that it's what you do with your commissions that creates that wealth. Again, thinking that it's the commissions doing your deals, going from deal to deal, that somehow that will catch up and make you wealthy one day versus understanding what you do with your commissions. And that's things like buying rental property and all, you know, after you've got your uh, – consumer debt paid off and you've got your cash reserves built up and you've got your insurance and you don't owe any back taxes, then the fun begins. So that's a mindset issue, thinking that it's all about the deals. Of course, you have to do the deals to have the money to invest. That's true, but you've got to get to that next level. All right, point number eight. This is something that you touched on earlier in the podcast. Hanging out with people who are doing and making less than you, who think you're the freak, versus expanding your exposure to well-adjusted, wealthy types who are also philanthropic and believe in abundance versus scarcity. That's about as succinct as I could put that one. Okay, so stop hanging out with people who are doing and making less than you who make you feel like you're the freak. You need to upgrade. When you're upgrading things like your car and your wardrobe, you might also have to upgrade the exposure you have to different types of people. It just makes sense. Maybe gets you out of your comfort zone a little bit, but it's good for you. All right, next point. Not being a listing agent. You'll never have enough time as a buyer's agent to work with enough buyers to create the income necessary to invest and make your money work for you. You simply don't have time to work with enough of them. They are unpredictable. No buyer has to actually buy anyway, so you've got a lot more risk working with virtually just buyers than you do as a listing agent. So by not honing your listing skills, by not having a pre-listing package, by not having a competitive listing presentation, in other words, something that makes it so you can take listings when they don't already know, love, and trust you, which you know is what it takes to get to the next level, not having that stuff is actually creating anti-wealth for you because you're forced to do every buyer deal that you can get your hands on, and some of them won't work out. So point number 10, thinking that rich people are evil, that they only have what others don't because they took it away from someone else. Again, mindset of scarcity. We do have a podcast. It's been a while since we did scarcity versus abundance, but we do have a dedicated podcast just to that topic. And I'll do the next two points fairly quickly. Point number 11, not having a real investment strategy which involves rental property, investment funds, flips, etc. Not actually having a strategy. Yes, you do have to study it and have a plan. 
and we've done podcasts on that as well. Point number 12, and then I have to go to Premier, is not studying wealth creation and taking action. Thinking that you'll only get rich when you have a big closing, when a relative dies, you either win the lottery. These are not a plan. And I would add to this, because we worked on this last night too, uh, the belief that you are building a real estate practice that someday someone will write you a big check for, and that that's your wealth creation plan. That's a big pitfall. So I'm going to wrap, and I'll turn the call over to you, Tim, so I can go take care of our premier people. All right. Thank you, Julie. So podcast listeners, coaching clients, halfway through the year, how's it going? Anything we can do to help? Julie mentioned the Real Estate Treasure Map. You get that book free when you request a free coaching call, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Just go to freecoachingcallsforagents.com. That's one of the six books that we give you in digital format. Treasure Map, as we say virtually every day on this podcast, is a fill-in-the-blank business plan. It also is intentionally designed to help you confront some of your very limiting beliefs about your ability to finally be financially free. So, guys, if there's anything we can do for you, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.